Amen. Amen. I love the presence of the Lord. I love being able to to sit at his feet and to be able to to declare to him that I'm yours. I'm yours, Lord. Everything, everything I got, everything I am, the good, the bad, the skinny, the fat, (laughs) the happy, the sad, I'm all yours, Lord. We are in it to win it. Amen. There's no going back, no stopping. Amen. We are in it till the finish line, and then we get the trophy. Amen. Hallelujah. Well, I'm excited this morning to get to uh, share a word with y'all. Uh, this is kind of something that is is a, is a part of, of uh, something that I told the Lord about 15 years ago, that there would not be a January that would pass that I wouldn't get the opportunity to talk about his greatness and his goodness and the things that he did for us about 15 years ago. Um, and it's just, that was just one part of, of so many things that the Lord has done. But I've committed every January to be able to tell the miracle working power of what God is capable to do. And this is a brand new year, right? This is 2022. And um, maybe 2021 didn't produce the things that you were believing God for, the things that you needed. Um, But here we are in a brand new year. And it's exciting to know that God is ever-changing. He's constantly at work. He's constantly doing things. Sometimes he just doesn't do it the way that we think that he should, right? He doesn't do it in our timelines. He doesn't do it the way that we kind of map it out. Um, but he's a God of miracles, amen? He is a God of miracles. He is a God that is is the God of the possible and impossible situations. But you know, the, the crazy thing about it is that if you need a miracle or if you need something for God to do something, do you know what you have to have? You have to have a need, you know, you have to have something that's in your life that is beyond your control, something that is in your life that you can't do on your own. Therefore, you need a God who is able to do exceedingly abundant above all that we might ask, all that we might think. Amen. And that's the tricky part. How many of you want to see miracles in your life? How many of you have circumstances and situations in your life when you need a miracle? You need him to, you need him to do some incredible things. Well, the tricky part of it is there's this part that you gotta walk through, right? There's this, there's this avenue, there's this road, there's this season, there's this difficulty, there's this pain, there's this hurt, there's this uncertainty, there's this, this questions, you know, of, of a what if and how come and could and should and all these things, you know, that accompany that season and being able to walk in that season. And if you're needing a miracle, if you're needing God to do something incredible, Come on, come on, come on. Then you got to be in a really bad place for God to come and show up. Amen. And none of us want to be in that place. Nobody wants to go through that season. Nobody wants to get that doctor's report. Nobody wants to get that phone call. Nobody wants to, to, to find yourself in this position where you weren't even looking at, 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 you were just going along life, right? You were just doing what you need to be doing. And all of a sudden, a, 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 a massive, uh, Boxer glove comes out of thin air and just gives you a right hook and you're just leveled. Has anybody been there? Amen. 
You don't want to have to go through that. But if you don't go through things like that, God doesn't have the opportunity to show up, to show out, and to be able to give you your breakthrough, to give you your victory, to give you your miracle. And so one of the things that we're going to talk about this morning, I kind of have a slide, and it's called God Stories. Can you put that up for me? It's called God's Stories. And it says, will you tell yours? God's Stories. Will you tell yours? Now, I love a good story. Probably it's the teacher in me. All those 25 years of teaching um, little young, tiny humans, uh, you would lose their attention very quickly when you would try to uh, teach them that a concept of, you know, I'm not algebra, right? But 2 plus 2 equals Jeremy. Leave the sanctuary. Just saying. Just kidding. You can stay there. Set your bottom down. Two plus two equals four. So when you would try to tell the concept, you know, blah, 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 the kids are just, you know, they were blah. But I love telling how there were two little bears that were walking down the road. And two of their little friends came along. And they said, hey, do you want to go with me down to get some ice cream? And the kids immediately began engaged. Well, the two little bears' name was Fred and Larry. They were best friends. They'd been best friends forever. And Fred and Larry, they were hungry for something cold. What do you think they might be hungry for that would be messy and could put sprinkles and hot chocolate and and caramel on it? What do you think they might be hungry for? Oh, my God, they were hungry for ice cream. And so they said, hey, let's go to the ice cream store. Let's go to Baskin Robbins. You know, and they were like, absolutely. So they took off down the road. And all of a sudden, they saw two of their little friends. And their name was Sally and Mary. And they said, hey, do you want to come with us to go get some ice cream? And the girl said, absolutely, two boys asking us out, here we go. And they went, and how many went to get ice cream? And immediately the kids would be like, four. So I took a concept and applied a story with it. And it began, they would still talk about, because I used them all the time. I used the characters all the time. They just added more friends, you know, and, and more difficulty. Going up a hill, going down the hill, having to get spaghetti, making cookies, whatever it was. Well, Jesus did the exact same thing. See, he told parables. He told stories. He took these complex thought processes and complex things, and he applied stories, and he and he put a truth to a story. Now, our pastor that we absolutely loved was the best storyteller ever. His name was Dr. Rob Carmen. I can still remember stories that Dr. Rob told. I can still remember vividly feeling like I was in Africa, and I was in a one of those transport, and that there was a lion... And he was taking a picture of the lion. And he kept leaning out further. And he just he would just take you to the edge of the story. And then he would say, do you want to know what happened? And we'd like, you know, you're on the edge of the, you're on the, edge of the seat. Tell me what happened. Do you really want to know what happened? You know, and he would just build up this anticipation. And then, boom, come in with the, with the, the, the truth of the story. And you just were captivated. There's some people that are just so incredibly good at telling God's stories. And uh, Paul's really good at it. I tell him all the time. I remember one of the first messages that he did. Um, we were in Cushada at uh, the First Baptist in Cushada, and they'd asked him to come and speak. <clears throat> and I had told him before, several weeks before, that the Lord was going to give him a message. He was going to give him a message on David and Goliath. I said, it's going to be a new take on it. And uh, he goes, well, why, why is he telling you and he's not telling me? And I said, well, maybe you weren't listening. Hello. <laughs> you know, just saying. <laughs> right? 
That's how it's, that's how, that is how we do it, right? (laughs) Come on. (laughs) Right? Huh? That's how marriage and ministry works. That's right. Both ways. Because there's been things he's, he's said to me once. I'm just kidding. (laughs) But I remember when he got up and he told this and he made it come alive. Not, how many of you have heard David and Goliath? Come on. You've heard it over and over and over and over and over and over again. If you, Killing giants. Come on, there's all kinds of different variations on the story, right? All kinds of crazy things that people begin, you know, you grow up and you hear all of these incredible God stories of things that happened to David. Now, remember, he got up and he told this, and everybody in there were just captivated because they'd all heard the story of David and Goliath, but God was able to give him a spin on it, a twist on it that I had never heard. He just said he was going to give it to me. God, God said... You tell him I'm giving it to him, and then God did the delivering, right? And then he got up, and then he began to tell this. And I'll never forget, I knew in that moment, that was really one of the first times that you really got up and you preached, preached. And I was sitting there, and I was like, he got the goods. He going to be so good. <laughs> and, and, and so you think about the stories that the Lord puts within his word. How many of you have heard? You've heard about Noah, right? We grow up hearing about Noah. And if you only just heard Noah's story one time, did you only just hear about the story of Jesus' birth one time? Did you only hear about the stories of, 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 of Moses and going to the Red Sea and parting the Red Sea? Did you only hear it one time? Look, they even made a movie about it. So you could watch it again and again and again and again, right? And so stories are important God's stories are important. And so we went a few, uh, we went a few, uh, I think it was last Friday, Friday before last, we went to Mill Creek and there was a lady that was from Tennessee, Miss Pat, and she got up and I was sitting there listening to her and I just loved listening to her recount the incredible things that God had done in her life, the wisdom of it. You know, the, 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 the encounters that she had. And it, and it just began to spark something inside of me about all the things that God has done with, with many of you that are in here. Things that have, God has done in our, our marriage and in our children's lives. And what, what incredible, uh, story that the faithfulness of what God has done in the immediate part of our family. Last night I was on the phone and I was talking to somebody and, I think I was talking to Pastor Sandra, and I, I, I had it on speaker, and I had my computer, and I looked up, and I, I hit Facebook, and all of a sudden, Joel and Serena's pictures from Facebook popped up of the home visit, that I mean, the home photography that they took. And I'm sitting there, and I'm looking at it, and all of a sudden, this emotion, as I looked, and I just... I was like, oh, I can't look at it right now. So I just had like, I had to like get off of it. I just like turn it off, you know, finish my conversation. Then I go back in. I'm sitting there weeping. I call Serena and I'm like, oh my God, that picture where y'all holding each other and he's looking up at you. The miracle of God, the faithfulness of the father. What a story. But if you'd have asked me back in October what it would have looked like at this point. I don't know if I could have told you that that's what we would have seen. 
So God's stories and the things that he happened all within the word. Think about Moses. He goes to the Red Sea. The, 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 story begin, the story tells us of how they get free from Egypt and they go to the, repart, the Red Sea. And, and impossibility stands in front of them. And the army stands behind them. And they're standing there. And they're going, what is going to happen? Nothing good can come from this. Nothing good is going to come. We're fixing. They're just going to demolish us from the rear. There's nowhere to go, right? And then all of a sudden, a God moment happens. And Moses puts his staff in that river, at that sea, and it parts. And all of a sudden, victory, right? Victory. And, and the Bible talks about how they told it over and over and over and over. Here we are. Over 2,000 plus years. And we're still telling the God story. And each and every one of you need a story that you can tell. A God story that you have to be able to share what God did. You know, we like to call them like what? Testimonies, right? And I will never forget. I forget one night we, we were at this little Baptist church and they said it's testimony night and we're just going to let anybody get up and just share their testimony. Oh my gosh. And so it was real sweet. Like some of the youth, it was like a youth function, wasn't it? Some of the kids would get up and they would just be like, Oh, I just, God was just so good. You know, he, he saved me and, and, and I just am so happy. Thank you. And then they'd get all, and then, and then one by one, you know, different. Well, then they had this one young man. There, they got up and he began to tell this. I mean, it got crazy. It got, it got uncomfortably weird. Has anybody ever been in that uncomfortably weird? And we're all sitting there. Yeah. It, it, Tom starts talking and then it becomes uncomfortably weird, right? <laughs> I'm just kidding. And so we're all sitting there. Paul gets to laughing. He starts getting tickled. And he's, he's just got this bubbling in his face. I don't know if you've ever seen when Paul gets uncontrollably laughing. It, it, it's hilarious. And he just, he's crying, but he's holding it in. He's not saying anything. And he's just, he's, it's that inner laugh. And just tears are starting to come down his face because it is just getting weird. He starts talking about Iraqis and... <laughs> Yeah, he'd rather kill himself than let some darn Iraqi come at him. I don't know. It was just, it was weird. And I was just like, somebody go get the microphone. Paul gets so too. He has to get up and he has to walk out of the church, Angel. He's just, and I hear him because I'm in the back of the church. <laughs> He's just like losing it. So there's some stories <laughs> that maybe not, this based more off of your opinion, right? <laughs> than what God is doing in our lives. Let me go with my first scripture real quick, and I want to go over. We're going to read this out of the Passion, and let's look at... I think the first one I gave you was Romans. Romans 1.8. This is in the Passion. It says, I give thanks to God for all of you, because the testimony of your strong, persistent faith is spreading throughout the world. Spreading throughout the world. Your testimony of faith, what God has done, what he is doing, how he is done, how he is, is doing it. Maybe you're telling the story in the middle of the story and he hasn't completed it yet, right? You're right in the middle of it, but you're telling that story. You're telling that story. And so the scripture specifically, let's go over to Luke 24. I believe, is it uh, Luke 20? No, no, no. Let me go to, let me go to John 4, 39. So this is the woman at the well, the Sumerian woman that Jesus came and he, he had a prophetic word for. 
And you can go back and you read above the scriptures of how he, he told her. In other words, we use it in, in our church terminology. He read her mail. He told her stuff she didn't know that anybody would know. And he read her mail. And it talks about in the fourth chapter, it says, So there were many from the Samaritan village who became believers in Jesus because of the woman's what? And this is what she told him. Said He told me everything I ever did. <laughs> Let me tell you, he just told me stuff I, I, that nobody knew. Has ever anybody had a story like that? Somebody, you didn't know them, you didn't have a clue who they were, and they came up and they read your mail. And they told you things that nobody knew, and they told you things that nobody had any idea of, and it changed something in you. It wasn't by coincidence. It wasn't just a, a, a crazy encounter. It was a God moment that begins attached itself to a God story. Amen? So, it was really interesting this week. Um, I'm going to just share. I, I was listening to uh, Craig Groeschel. He has a, a, a podcast that he does. And one of the podcasts he was talking about um, ministry or really just speaking um, in general because he has a lot of business leaders that follow his his uh, his podcast. And he was talking about, he broke it down into like three parts. He said, if you use a statistic when you're talking, a statistic. He broke it down to a small percentage of, of anybody will remember that statistic. Now, it may collaborate the fact, right? It may follow up if you're saying, hey, since COVID hit, 60% of the churches have suffered with attendance and offerings or whatever. You know, you might have a statistic that would be attached to it. He said, and then when you go into the heart of the message that you're talking the percentage comes higher of what people are going to remember. He said, but when you say, I have a story I want to tell you. He said, immediately inside of your brain, inside of immediately, attention gets because it's a story. I mean, Jesus got it. Jesus said, let me tell you a story. There were these 10 lepers. Immediately, right, the, the interest. And he said, the, 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 the power of telling a story will be remembered. More so than any statistic that I could give you. Even really, even more than any content of what I could give to you. But I can tell you a story and I can remember specific... I mean, I've had all kinds of words. Don't get me wrong. The word, the word is powerful and it, and it, and it creates who you are, right? It, it creates your theology. It creates your faith level. It creates all these things. And I can remember like somebody giving a crazy statistic and going, that's crazy. That, that's that really the truth, you know? Statistically, what is it? Statistically, only 90% of statistics are truth. I don't know. <laughs> Dr. Rob used to say that all the time. Statistically. Um, but I can remember when Heidi Baker got up at CFNI and she told the story of what it was like standing in front of a church and the Muslim guards came and they were going to take a gun and they were pointing at her. And a young man that she had led to the Lord that had been, um, that had grown up with him, with them, and he kind of moved off and moved away that a little before that, the Lord hearkened unto him and he said, Mama, Heidi's in trouble. You need to go right now. And in the moment that they were taking a gun and they were going to put the gun on Heidi for having the service in this Muslim area, the young man shows up and he stands in front of Mama Heidi. And he said, you're going to come through me before you get to Mama Heidi. 
that God sent him. I, I will never forget sitting there in that moment, just being captivated by the, 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 uh, the, the story that God did in her life and how she openly and willingly shared. And I experienced that moment. Does that make sense? So the stories, the things that God does for us, the things that God can do for us, there's a lot of things that you have to, you have to, you, you, everybody has a, you, you, every single one of you, if you're a believer, you have a testimony. And some testimonies may be more dramatic than others. When Paul found Jesus, you know, he went an hour. It was like a, Dama- a road to Damascus moment at the, in that, in with Brother Jack Daniels. And he went to the ground and he was out for like 45 minutes. Brother Jack's sitting there just staring at him going, I ain't never seen anything like this in my life. You know, just a very dramatic. Mine wasn't quite that dramatic, but I can tell the testimony of being a six-year-old and having Jesus call my name and walking and asking him to come into my life, you know? So you, every one of us have a testimony. But do you want to have some God stories? I'm, I'm talking about some crazy God stories. You have to ask yourself, have you opened up the avenue for him to do miracles? Have you opened up the opportunity when you're in those situations that we were talking about, those difficult seasons, those harsh realities, those sickness, that, that hurt, that abandonment, that bitterness, that rejection, whatever it is. Have you opened up that avenue? Because sometimes you can go through those seasons, and when you go through those seasons, you lock that gate and you put a key around that. And as much as God's there and kicking and wooing and saying, if you don't open up that door and that avenue for him to come and sit at that table... And to speak into that circumstance and to, and to, to, to minister to your heart and to allow yourself to be in a place where others can help you navigate those things. You won't have sometimes the outcome that you want because you've locked that avenue. Does that make sense? You've locked it up. So first thing you have to ask is, is have you opened up the avenue for him to do miracles? The other thing is, is this, I said, I wrote down, I said, do you some, do you, to do something crazy and to make a way for the impossible. To do just something that is outside your comfort zone. I have never, I have never prayed for nobody at, at McDonald's. I just, oh my word. I never done nothing like that. Oh, I just, oh, I couldn't do that. Oh my word. What? What do you mean? What do you mean? Just take this and go, really? That's not, I, I shouldn't, I shouldn't go give that money to that person or, or I shouldn't put it in an envelope and, sit it down and just walk away (laughs) you know i mean you got to put yourself in that position to do something crazy right to do something that maybe is outside of your comfort zone so that god can do an incredible moment into someone else's life but it also builds your faith as well and then you have to be willing are you going to tell your story so i'm going to start with some stories that all your ears should perk up and you should be able to like okay i'm engaged now because 10 out of 10 percent of 14 Hundred stories that are told statistically. That was a joke. You can laugh. All right. <laughs> Thank you. Mm, 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 mm. All right. I hear music. Y'all think I'm crazy. It's always it's like a it's like a CD thing that runs through my head. Ch, 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 go ginger. Go ginger. All right. So <laughs> this last week I had I had my calendar. How many of you have like a count? You know your little iPhone calendar. So I had uh, uh, something that popped up on my calendar, and I'm gonna I'm gonna pull it up real quick. So I I'm, I'm telling the, I'm telling a true story. Dr. Rob used to say it all the time, all my stories are true. All my this is actually this truly is truly a, a true story. 
<clears throat> okay. I put, look, y'all just, y'all just don't even know. I got, I got chill bumps right now. I'm not kidding you. I'm not kidding you. So on my phone, last year, on the 23rd, uh, last year at some point during this time frame, I put in my calendar on a Sunday, the 23rd of January, and I had a conversation with Stephen Dickerson a year ago. We sat down. You know, he's, he's kind of my spiritual son. I, I love him. I, I have fought for him. I have, I have, I think I've hit him a few times, like literally, not like in the spirit, but like physically, like just like come at him like with a pan when he broke a bed, which he said he wouldn't do, but he's not here. So all my story's true. So <laughs> we had this conversation and he poured out his heart to me about a year ago about what he wanted, what he wanted to see, what he was wanting, the things he was struggling with. So I went in my phone. And I put in my phone, and Paul, you can read that if you will. You get your glasses on. Last year, I put it, (laughs) last year, I put it in my phone for one year ahead of time. Does that make sense? And I told Steve, I said, I'm putting it in my phone so I won't forget. Because there's a lot of conversations. You know, you and I, we may have all kinds of conversations, and then I forget. How many of you, you know, I just forget. And she may not forget the conversation because maybe I have a word for her. Maybe I have an encouragement word that changes her life. And all of a sudden, God uses me to touch her, to, to, to give her a, a rooting. So she might not forget it. But for whatever reason, I said, I'm putting it in my phone one year. And, yet, and this is what I put. Now I'm going to show it to you, I think. Uh-oh. There, oh, hold on. There you go. Yeah, I see it. Okay, read it. Stephen's year of increase. One year ago. Right here. You can see it. It popped up. Like on your calendar, you know, you'll have something that will pop up on your calendar. And I looked at it and I went, Brittany, I went, Stephen's year of increase. What, what was, because I forgot. I was like, what is it all about? And the Lord said, one year ago, you told him, you told him, Next year at this time, Stephen, we're going to look back and we're going to see the increase of God on your life. And his his CD changed, dropped today on the 23rd. Tell me that's not. Didn't that, if that don't give you chills, then just get on out of here. Because that, that to me, and I told him this week, I said, Stephen, this popped up on my, on my calendar. And it's the day. I mean, you can't, you can't make up stuff like that. You see, that's a God story. That is a moment that, that I can tell over and over and that Stephen can tell over and over and over that not only builds up my faith because we have to, we have to be intentional when God does something that we, we see his hand at work. We, we listen to what he's doing. We, we partake of it. And so, once we do that, then it, then it becomes a part of building your faith, right? Incredible God story. I'm going to tell you another God story. I told her this morning I was going to talk about her. I look at her, she went, oh, share. Her little, her little Cajun accent. Oh, Lord. 
share. Isn't that what you say? Oh, share. Share? What is it? Ah, sha. Oh, sha. I remember the moment that I met Nikki Knapp. Did y'all see her highlighted on Facebook, too, with GoFresh? It was a beautiful picture of her. I just was so proud of her. I'm just like, go, girl. But I remember meeting Nikki, and Nikki was glory hallelujah. Nikki was one of those people that you meet them that has a hard shell. Is that Am I accurate with that, baby? Yeah. You ever seen, like, it was almost a turtle shell, right? You know what I mean? And she just stick that head back in that shell. <laughs> And she had a hard exterior. And I remember they were praying for Nikki. I don't even know how many years ago it was, babe. You know? Four years ago. Four years ago. So Nikki is, is we're at the bridge, and they're praying for Nikki. And everybody's just over there, just all, they attacking Nikki. You know, they just praying for her. And I remember Pastor Sandra looked at me. She says, Pastor Ginger, did you have anything? And I go, Yeah. So I go up to Nikki four years ago, and I look at her, and I said, the Lord said to tell you, if you want the world, he'll give it to you. Nikki, do you want the world? Do you want the world, Nikki? And Nikki, all blubbering, yes, yeah, sure, yes, yeah, sure. Was it Shay? Say it again. Shay. Sure. Oh, thank you, my little, yes, yeah, sure, Lord, Yes. Got her little turtle. You know, she still had her outer shell, right? She had that little turtle neck stuck out. Yes, Lord, yes. That's all I needed was a little bit of turtle head, you know, just a little bit. And I remember I laid hands on Nikki, and I just imparted something that I knew in that moment that it had a punch. It had something power behind it. And honestly, if you'd have asked me at that time what that meant, I thought it meant world missions. Because we associate the world, right, with missions. You know, I'm going to go to the world. I'm going to go to the world. And I really at that moment thought, oh, she's going she gonna to go to the world. And I'm not saying that you're not, baby. I'm not saying that you're not going to go on foreign soil and preach the gospel and do great things. But what the Lord began to show me within those four years is that he connected something inside of me, inside of Nikki. And God began to give her the world. He's given her a house. He's given her a job. He's given her a community. He's given her a church. He's given her kids the opportunity to walk out of any type of addiction and live an abundant life and live a life that is full of God's world. Because the word said, the word says, God so loved the that he gave his only begotten son. You want the world, Nikki? And my gosh, what an incredible four years this has been. Has it been easy? Mm -mm. Has it been difficult? Yes. Have I wanted to take something and hit her? Yes. (laughs) But man, she is not the same. She's not that turtle. She is not that turtle anymore. And she don't like a lot of hugs and she don't like a lot of spotlight, but that's okay. I just get up in there anyway and and I do it. Amen. Amen. God's stories in our life. Stories that you just, that you, that you begin to experience. And as you experience them, they take, it takes on this life form of its own. 
And you would absolutely go back through and stand at the Red Sea again for the breakthrough that came right in front of you. You'd go through it all again. I told you, you know, over 15 years ago that that I, I, I committed to the Lord and I said, for the rest of my life, somewhere in January of every year, I'm going to tell my story. And I got a lot of stories. I got tickled with um, Haley. We went, we were going to Mill Creek and she just made mention of a particular talking about wanting to get a job at Log Cabin. Wasn't that what it was? Okay, so we were talking about like Log Cabin and all of a sudden I went, hey, I got a story. Let me tell you what happened here. So I want to hear the story because heard, she heard it, but I'm going to tell it to you again. Some of you were there and you know the story. So we went several years ago to Teen Challenge. We took an inner healing group. There were six of us that went in to Winfield. We did two teams of three. We went in and we did this inner healing for all these uh, ladies. At the end of it, they came to us and they handed us an envelope, handed it to Sandra and said, hey, we just want to bless y'all for coming. We all were like, no, uh -uh, we don't want it. We came out of here of our hearts. We don't want your money. Take your money. They wouldn't receive it. They wouldn't let us give it back. And so we're leaving. They're going to preach at the at the Rustin uh, Teen Challenge that night. Sandra says, hey, well, we've got this. Why don't we go and we'll just, she says, Ginger, are you good with, we'll just go and we'll buy everybody supper because everybody was going on later on to minister. And I was like, yeah, that'd be fine. So we all go in. We sit at, at uh, I said, if it's not enough, I'll take care of mine. Don't worry about it. And she's like, me too. And so... So we go into log cabin, we sit down, we have a table full, everybody orders, we're eating, laughing, cutting up, you know, whatever. We come, the, the bill comes, we take the bill, Sandra looks at the bill, and she's like, she looks at what they had given us for the first time. Sandra looks at me, and she goes, hey, look, there's a lot of money left over. She goes, what do you... What, what do you think? And I said, well, what do you want to do? And, she, you know, and if you ever go anywhere with Sandra, she creates God's moments. She creates stories that, that just opens up that avenue. She said, hey, let's just give it to the little waitress. Perfect. Sounds good. Little waitress comes over to log cabin. Sandra grabs her, as only Sandra can do. God love her. <laughs> she says, honey, honey, come here. The Lord blessed us today. You see, we went down and the Lord used us today to... Uh, to just be his hands and his feet. And they blessed us. So we just want to bless you. And she said, so here's the money. Here's the money for the ticket. And all the extra is for you. Now the little girl, all of a sudden, she just begins to cry. She just begins to just weep. She's just tears pouring down her face. And she goes, um, she didn't even look at how much it meant. It could have been $5 over the bill. Like, really? You know what I mean? It could have been $6.22. She didn't know. All of a sudden, the, the little waitress, she begins to bawl. And she gets down beside us. And Sandra said, are you okay? And she goes, you just don't know. You just don't know. She said, I told God this morning, you've got to show up. I need you. I need you, God. I need something today to show me that you're speaking and that you're here. And she's just, and then, of course, we're all sitting at the table. And then we're just like reaching in and grabbing money. I'm like, oh, baby, here, you know, here's, here's 20 more dollars. Here's what I would have paid. She goes, stop, stop. No, don't do this. And she said, can we pray for you? She goes, please. So a little girl gets down right in the middle. We're at a log cabin right in the middle of everything. All of us. She gets down. She gets down kind of. We just, you know, and Sandra, don't pray quietly. And, you know, and her little manager is over on the side and she's just looking at her like this. Because I'm, I'm aware of stuff. You know, I'm not quite that. Ah, you know, 
That's why Sandra and I work really good together because she, you know, I pull her back and she, and, and she pushes me forward. Yeah, something like that. So anyway, so, oh, Father, we just thank you, you know, and we pray. The little girl, whoa, everybody in log cabin is just staring, <laughs> right? But I can promise you, I know I remember that moment. And I can guarantee you, if I could have that little waitress here, She'd remember that moment when God stopped what he was doing with a group of people that didn't know her, didn't have anything to, to, to know that she had prayed that prayer that morning, right? And created something in her that all of a sudden became a God story for her. Oh, a God story. So 15 years ago, most of you know this. I'm not going to go into the full details. This is the abridged version. But I really felt in my heart that I had another baby at some point. There was something in me that, it's it's hard to explain to you men. Maybe you women kind of can understand it. But there was something that I felt that was inside me. I don't know what it was. I can't explain it to you. I just knew that the Lord had, I felt like he had told me that we were going to have a baby and it was going to be a boy. And I have to tell you that I kind of had that same encounter when I was pregnant with Joel. Many of you may know. It took me a very long time to get pregnant with my first baby. It was over a year of us trying a lot. I'm not bragging. Just saying. <laughs> and And with no success. And... I remember in my little living room getting before the Lord and I told the Lord, I said, Hannah came to you and she told you, if you will give me a child that I will turn around and I'll give that child back to you. And that's exactly what happened. I became pregnant before I even told Paul. I immediately went to my home church there in Ruston. I opened the doors and I got at the altar and I just gave Joel back to the Lord from day one. And then many years passed and we had, I felt in my heart that I was going to have a daughter. And the reason I think that, that I was so adamant that I wanted a daughter was because I had a very strong relationship with my mama. I was a mama's baby. I was a mama's girl. And I had a very strong um, connection with my mom and I just can remember you know thinking in, as my adult how am I going to survive without my mom you know I mean I love my mom so much and my mom told me the story of how I was a late in life baby and that her mother my grandmother had lived with him for seven years and she passed away from a cancer and my mom felt this void in her life and when my mom was 40 years old she got pregnant with me And she would always tell me that the Lord knew the sadness of her heart and that he gave me to her to fill that void. And so my mom and I, we were close. And I just couldn't imagine my life like 
not having like this daughter. And I told, and I prayed and I said, Lord, the word says, if you delight in you, you give the desires of your heart. And so I knew when, when we got pregnant with Jordan, that she was going to be a girl. And I've called her since day one, the desire of my heart. Sometimes the desire of my heart has made me want to pull my hair out and to go running and screaming. And when she would act up, Paul would look at me with such sweetness and tenderness and kindness and said, there's the desire of your heart. Go get her. (laughs) Right? (sighs) When she had makeup all over her face and denying it to the last breath after four spankings that she did not get into her mama's makeup. Just lipstick everywhere. There's the desire of your heart, baby. And so (laughs) there was this thing. So when I got pregnant at 41 years old, I really felt like I was pregnant with the son. And I would have wrote you a blank check, $5,000, take it to the bank. It's going to be a boy. And guess what? It wasn't a boy. And it wasn't that I wanted a boy. Don't get me wrong. It wasn't that my heart says I was having another boy. No. My heart was... That I just felt I'd heard from the Lord. I, I can't tell you what it looked like. I just know it's all been part. Of, it was all part of God's puzzle, all part of His plan. So when I was 20 weeks and I went to the doctor, they told me that I was having a girl. It kind of just went like I went like, huh, okay, what? We looked at each other and I just went, I didn't hear from God. <laughs> you know, I don't know. I don't want to tell you. <laughs> and so a few weeks later, we went down to Destrehan, Louisiana to uh, Kathy Duplantis's, uh women's conference. I think it was the Glorious Conference. And I knew at that point that it was uh, a girl, and I had shared that quite possibly I might call her Isabella, whatever. So we're sitting there in the conference. Gloria Copeland get, I mean, uh, Kathy Duplantis gets up there, and she says, hey, we're going to stop what we're doing right now, that there is a baby, a premature baby named Isabella that is... Uh, trying to this being born at this moment and we're stopping what we're doing and we're fixing to pray for this preemie baby named Isabella and of course when they said Isabella I just told the ladies that we went with that I was thinking they're all just like oh my god so I remember in that moment you know just stopping what we were doing that entire conference and we began to pray for a little baby named Isabella that was born prematurely about five to seven days after I had come back from the conference, I woke up one morning and I had this major pain. And the only thing I can associate it with, it was something that was uh, akin to a kidney stone. Has anybody ever passed a kidney stone? So if you've ever passed a kidney stone, you know that pain. And you know that it is a specific kind of pain and you know how painful it could be. So I woke up that, that morning and I knew something was wrong and I really thought I had a kidney stone. And so I told Paul, we immediately leave and as we're going to the hospital we had no idea as we were driving to Shreveport that our entire lives were fixing to shift that something was fixing to take me into a season where I had no idea what it was going to take from me what it was going to what it was going to do to to our church what it was going to do to my life what it was going to do to our family and so that began on October the 31st and we went through for four weeks of of just craziness. Anything that could have gone wrong with the pregnancy went wrong with the pregnancy. Any bad report that could have came for the pregnancy, it came to the pregnancy. And we just stood f- steadfast and we believed. Now, the, it got tricky at this point because Paul had two mission trips planned in the middle of all of this. He had already paid for the trips. The trips had already been planned, had been promoted. He was going once to Mexico. Then he was going to Papua New Guinea, Guinea later in uh, in in November of that time. So here we are. I'm in the hospital. I'm laid up. I'm uncertainty. We don't know what's happening. He's 
got a plane ticket that's scheduled to leave. So he looks at me and he's like, what are, what are we going to do? And I can't speak for, I can't speak for what anybody else would do in that situation. I don't judge what anybody else would do in that situation. I just know that what we had to do in that situation. I'm a firm believer that I never believe that you should take your children and lay them on the altar of ministry. We have seen ministers sacrifice their children on the altar of ministry. Let me say that in the matter of maybe their child's going through something and they don't want anybody to know because it would affect the ministry, then then just hide it. Don't address it. Keep it covered. Um, your child has an important event, but you can't do it because you need to have something at church. So when I say we agreed that our children would never, our children would come first. So let me preface it with that. And we have tried our best to live that. Um, haven't always lived up to it, but we've been intentional to try to do that. So here we are at this place. And all I knew to do was that I had to go to the Father. And so I began to just, you know, I just began to, we both just began to pray. And I felt that the Lord told me in that moment, he said, go take care of my business and I'm going to take care of you. And so Paul and I both agreed. I said, you go take care of his business. He said he's going to take care of me. So he left. It was 24 weeks to the day. He boarded a plane that morning. It was 24 weeks. I'd been in the hospital four weeks at that point with no hope, no possibility that the pregnancy was going to be able to complete. 24 weeks in, that morning, he gets on a plane to Mexico. Five in the morning, my little doctor comes in. Every morning he would come in and he would just turn the lights on and it would just be like this, you know, hey, I'm here. <laughs> and I would just, I'm not a morning person, so I'd just be really grumpy. Well, that particular morning, he came in real quiet, didn't turn the lights on. He, they set me up for the ultrasound. He came in. He always called me Miss Sunshine. He put his hand on me, and he said, how you doing, Miss Sunshine? He said, chances are today might be the day you deliver. And I said, as they were prepping everything, I just remember telling the Lord in that moment, I said, I said, I thank you today for a good report. It may not be today, but it's coming. Thank you for a good report. They set it up. All of a sudden, as he's doing the ultrasound, he looks at me. My sister's sitting beside me, holding my hand. He goes, oh, my God. And I was like, oh. <laughs> there was a tone to that. I said, excuse me? And he goes, I can't believe this. And I'm like, what, what can't you believe? What you seeing on there? <laughs> you know? Well, what's up? What's up? He goes, this doesn't happen. He said, I, I just, I, I don't even know what to say. Now, you have to understand, Paul was on the plane coming back home. He had done a crusade several week, days before. I'm sitting there. He goes, you can, he's, I, I can't believe this. He goes, Ginger, he said, the, the baby has gone back up into the womb. He said, your cervix is closed. Because at one point she was halfway, she was, I was dilated. She was coming. There was, she was there, you know, and, and he goes, this just doesn't happen. He goes, well, congratulations. You got a viable fetus. And I said, no, I didn't know fetus. It's a baby. It's a baby. I got a viable baby. My baby's My baby's, I got a chance. And they immediately set me up that day, put me in a, a, a an ambulance. Paul met me at South with a fighting chance, with a fighting chance. The day, come on, you can't make up stories like that. On the day that he gets on a plane to come home is when my miracle happened. 
On the day when I said that the Lord told me, he said, you go and you preach and you go and you lay hands on those people in Mexico and you pray for them to be healed. You prayed for them to, to, to line up with the word, to, to, to get souls saved and God's going to take care of me. And you can't, you cannot make up a moment like that that does not change you forever. In fact, so much so, flash forward 15 years to my grandbaby. My grandbaby. Where they're saying, man, we just don't know. We just don't know. And I looked at God and I said, oh, this ain't my first rodeo. Oh, this ain't my first rodeo. Come on, this is not the first time I've had to stand at the Red Sea and watch you to deliver an impossible situation and make something possible. And as I was looking at that last night and I was looking at the faithfulness and the goodness and the grace of God, it just poured out on me. Sometimes we don't understand the pieces of the puzzle. We don't understand the, the process. We don't understand the waiting. We don't understand the hurt. We don't understand the rejection. We don't understand all of that. But when you put your faith in God, when you put your your staff, come on, into that thing that you need to go forward to. And when God shows up, I would go back in a heartbeat and I would go through it all again. I would go through every single thing again because it became something that not only have I been the privilege at this church for us to see a little miracle that walks around that sometimes I want to like snap her head off. It's okay. It's all right, right? But because it's, I mean, she's 15, 14. Come on. You know, it happens, right? <laughs> but it, I've told it all over the world. In fact, I was in Mexico the last time that we were there. And, and, and during that 10-year period of, of going into Mexico and developing this relationship with this family, I prayed for a lot of people during that time. The last time we were there, this lady came up to me and she told me, she said, with her interpreter, she said, hey, she said, I don't live here anymore. She said, but you came here over 10 years ago and you prayed that I would have a baby and you told me that I would have a child. And after you left, I got pregnant. And she said, and then I miscarried and I was angry. I was angry that you told me that I was going to have a baby. I was angry at God. I was angry. And then you came back. And you called me out. And you told me that God was faithful. And that I needed to... to. I'm trying to remember what she told me. She said, I need... She said, I told her. I don't remember any of this. She said, you told me to tender my heart toward the Lord. That the God was faithful. She pulled out her phone and she's crying and she said, these are my twin baby girls and I couldn't bring them tonight, but they're at home. And when you come back the next time, I want you to pray over them because God used me, used you to give me the word, to encourage me, to correct me, and then to help me rejoice. And I want you to pray over my babies. So my story isn't just my story. Come on. We've got Charlotte. We've got precious Charlotte. She's a little miracle, right? She's a little, she's a, she walks around with, that is one of the happiest babies that I, I think I've ever seen, right? Think about all the incredible stories. I remember giving a word. I don't remember it necessarily. Katie reminded me. 
Katie said that I stopped service one Sunday morning at the old church and I pulled her and I asked her to, to, and I had a word for her. And she said, you, you said, and I can say it because she's not here, so I can tell it. Because <laughs> Katie don't like the, she said, she don't, she don't like, you know, don't talk about me. <laughs> but she said, you told me that God sees me. God sees me. And, and just to watch the progression Come on, the progression of, of, of everything that Katie is and all that she gives and all that she does. You know, it's a, it's, it's a moment, you know. And I could go over and over and over with so many of you that's in here where there are divine God moments in our lives that, that, that are crazy. I love when, Nathan, you were telling me about like with your house. Like coming down to the wire, coming down to what was impossible. Didn't think it was going to happen. They prayed. She texted me. We prayed. And Nathan said, in, the, in that moment, God showed up and he showed out. That not only builds their faith, but that's a story they, they can tell to anybody else who's trying to buy a home. You know what I mean? That how God was faithful, how he had the right thing there. You know, how, how we prayed for Megan. A righteous man. We prayed for Stephen. A righteous woman. Come on. Stephen and Megan. Righteousness. That's a a moment, right? That's a story. And the goodness and the grace that God begins to pour out. Come on. God moments. God stories. All through Hebrews. I encourage you to read. In Hebrews 11.2. Let's look at it real quick. The testimony of faith is what previous generations were commended for because they told their story. They were commended for it. And it goes through in verse, and it, 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 it goes forth like with Abel in verse 4, <clears throat> Noah in verse 7, Abraham in 8, Sarah in verse 11, Isaac and Jacob, then Moses, then Rahab, then Barak, then Samson, then Jephthah, then David, then Samuel. It says in the scriptures, it said it shut the mouths of lions, escaped certain deaths, warriors in battles, resurrection power that raised the dead, masters of faith. Because they were willing to continue the miracles, the signs, the wonders, the unexplained that the Father is willing, if you will open up that avenue. I'm going to ask if you put on just some... Some soft music real quick. We're going to take just a few moments and we're going to, we're going to do some encountering with God. If you would, just kind of let's stand to our feet. Let's just dim out these lights a little bit. I'm going to ask a couple of people if they would. If you have to leave, you are more than welcome to slip out. I'm going to ask Pastor Angel if you'll come up here for just a moment. Paul, if you